Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, good morning, City of Refuge. Um, Let's begin. I'd like to just pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask for your spirit to be present among us. I pray, God, that you would make our hearts good soil to receive your word, that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds, that it would produce a crop, a fruit of righteousness pleasing to you. And pray that from our time together this morning, that you would receive all of the honor and the glory. Amen. I was reflecting this morning on that verse, our memory verse that talks about, as each has a gift, use it to serve one another, and just how grateful I was for our kids sharing their gift this morning, for John sharing his gifts with us this morning. Um, It's one of the things I love to see, is just the body of Christ sharing its gifts with one another to the worship of God. Amen? So today, the plan had been for us to continue with our series on calling, specifically looking at the issue of spiritual gifts and how it applies to calling. But as I was thinking and praying about this Sunday morning, I believed it was important that we take some time to talk about uh, the decisions from this week, in particular the decision in the Dobbs Supreme Court case about abortion, and, and to talk a little bit about how we respond to that. Now, I know the tension in the room just like went up considerably, so, you know, everyone take a deep breath. We're going to get through this. So, just kind of the facts in case somehow you have been outside of the news for the last three days. Uh, on Friday, the Supreme Court released its decision in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health. And the most substantive change that came from that decision was the overturning of Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, meaning that abortion would no longer be a constitutional right. And while the decision does not make abortion illegal, it does give states far more power to regulate and even prohibit abortion. Now, my focus this morning is not as much going to be on addressing the decision directly, but instead more to focus on how do we respond to that, and in particular, how do we go about having conversations with each other and those around us in helpful and Christ-like ways. That is going to be my focus that we look at, because I think that's applicable not just to this particular case, but to many of the things that Johnny mentioned earlier that are just kind of tumultuous in our culture right now. But I do think that it's important that I share a little bit of where I'm at on this because I do not approach this topic from a neutral perspective. And and I do that, one, because I believe you all deserve to know that. And in fact, I expect that if I didn't do that, you would spend the rest of the sermon trying to read between the lines, trying to figure it out. But because I know it does inform the way I approach this topic, and because I do strongly believe that the Bible has some things to teach on this issue. So um, I'd like to begin just by being transparent with you all of 
the perspective I'm coming into this with, and then we're going to move to talk more about what does the scripture have to say about how do we go about having these conversations with one another. So I do believe that the Bible teaches that we are people made in the image of God and that human life begins at conception. And I see that in places like Jeremiah 1.5, where speaking of Jeremiah himself, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, there's more I could say in terms of that, but for now, I'll just say that I think, therefore, in most cases, not all, recognizing that that is a, a big thing that could use additional explanation that I'm not going to go into, what are those cases? But in most cases, not all, abortion is wrong and is unlawfully ending the life of a human being. I also believe that in almost all cases where there is an abortion chosen, there are reasons why. And often, again, not always, those reasons are associated with places of brokenness, pain, and physical, mental, or spiritual need. And I believe the word of God also has a tremendous amount to say about the call of Christians to follow the example of Jesus of entering into places of brokenness and seeking to bring tangible love and help. And I believe that those two beliefs are not contradictory to one another. Now, so that's sort of a summary of where I'm coming from. And if I were to be honest with you, this is an issue I get worked up about. Like, I am normally a pretty even-keeled kind of person. But this is an issue that, I'll be honest, I get angry about. And I'm guessing many in the room can relate to that. Whichever side you're sitting on in this, this is often an issue that stirs up a great deal of emotion. And I would love to say that that anger stems from a righteous indignation. Because I think around this issue, there are things that you can be righteously indignant about. I believe it is appropriate to be angry about the ending of unborn life. I also believe it is appropriate to be angry about dismissiveness of the very real impacts that bearing and having a child has on the life of a mother. I think both of those things can lead to a justifiable anger. But when I look at my own anger, very often that anger does not look very righteous. Instead, I see in it a tendency to demonize, a tendency to gloat over wins, a tendency to despair in losses. I see in it a tendency towards sinfulness in my own words and actions. And it doesn't look very much like Jesus. And that's where I want to go today. How do we have these conversations where we hold things very, very dearly that often lead us to very heightened emotions of anger? How do we do this in constructive and Christ-like ways? And that's the conversation I think is important for us to have this morning. So for that, I want to look at James chapter 1, 
verses 19 through 27. So I'm going to read this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James starts this text addressing the very thing I was just talking about, our anger. And he says this, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Just to put a little emphasis on that, what does he say to be quick to? He says to be quick to hear. What does he say to be slow to, slow to anger, and slow to speak? I think there is great wisdom here from James. Because I don't know about you, but when my temperature starts to rise, when those emotions run high, the thing that tends to disappear the most is my listening. And so I think here he gives us two very helpful red flags that we can look for when we are entering into conversations about these, these issues with one another. The two red flags are this. How much are we talking? And how quickly are we getting angry? And if we recognize in a conversation that we're doing all of the talking and none of the listening and that we are very quickly getting angry with the other person, that should be a check on ourselves to say, maybe I am no longer pursuing the righteousness of God because he says that's what's at stake here. He says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, our just living into those angry feelings and responding out of it is not going to produce something that God looks at and says, that's good. So in general, no matter how right or wrong our position is, our anger is not going to result in the kinds of things that pleases God if we are just reacting out of that anger. And in fact, he goes beyond that. In verse 21, just in the context, so he's just talked about, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He says in 21, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls he seems to be connecting these two, that in those moments where we are living into our anger, what is most likely to come out is what he says, filthiness and rampant wickedness and a lack of meekness, an inability to receive the word of God. 
And so he says that in the midst of this, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, willing to step away from those behaviors that our anger is driving us to, and instead that we should be listening meekly to the word of God. And I think in, I think that this, this hits me pretty hard around talking about the issue of abortion, which, I, like I said, I get worked up about. Because perhaps when I'm feeling those things, the best thing I could do is just to step away and re-engage with the conversation when what is most important to me is not winning the argument or scoring points on whoever it is I'm debating, but instead where what I am trying to produce is the righteousness of God and that which will be pleasing to him. So this is kind of the first thing that I would say should govern how we talk about this, is that we would be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Second, he goes on in 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now there's sort of two parts to what James is talking about here, right? There is one which is the priority of the word of God and even approaching the word of God. Now he's here more talking about the second thing, which is don't just be a hearer, go be a doer. But in order to be the doer, you first have to be the hearer, right? Like if both of these things are in view here in James. And he uses the example here of the idea that if you hear the word of God and don't do it, you are like a man who looks in a mirror and then walks away and forgets. And this actually gets to something that uh, John was preaching about a couple weeks ago, this idea that when we are called into relationship with Christ, there is a new identity that we have. There is a new way of life that God calls us to. There is a new person that we are in light of that. And that new person is defined by the life of Jesus and the things that the word of God teaches us about how to live. And so if we go and hear the word of God, see this new person, this new identity that we're supposed to be, and then walk away and don't do it, it's like we have forgotten who we are. It's like we have forgotten our identity. Now, I actually think this is very directly relevant to how we are to respond when we encounter these, these issues where we disagree. Because I really want to encourage that as you all are having conversations, particularly with one another, that is done by seeking for God's will through his word. Let that be the central thing that we look to and attempt to do in the midst of our conversations is to seek God's will in his word. Make that the center of your conversations. Because we recognize that the word of God is the authoritative rule for life and practice and is what informs who we are supposed to be in Christ. So when we are trying to figure out how do we go about talking about issues like abortion, where we should start is by going into the word of God together. With a particular purpose. 
Because when we pursue the word of God together, that should first and foremost be an exercise in seeking God himself, right? When we approach the word of God, one of the primary purposes of that is that we would be growing closer to him, that we would be coming more to know who Christ is and who we are and would love him more because of that. And I say that because sometimes when we're talking about these kinds of issues and going to the scriptures together, what it turns into is a Bible debate and not an emphasis on how are we going to seek God together in the midst of his word. And second, I think it has its end, how do we go about living out Christ-like character? So that as we are having these conversations, one, that it would be focused on the hearing of the word of God, and two, that it would then be focused on how do we go about living it out? And not as much about how do I win my argument as we pursue God's word together. Third, and this is where James doesn't pull any punches. I don't know if, you know, as you read the, the, the letter of James, like he just kind of puts it out there. And this is a place where he really goes for it. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Ouch. Right? He says that if we don't do this, if we don't bridle our tongues, then basically our religion, what we claim to be doing for Jesus, is worthless. But he goes on from there that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphan and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So there is obviously the, 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 the negative here, you know, don't let your tongue just run wild. But there's a positive here too, that what does religion look like that pleases God? And it's this, to look after orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So there's two parts to that. Right, the first is this idea of being unstained from the world. That's his second admonition here. Which I take to mean having our lives and views lived in response to the life of Jesus Christ and ways of living revealed in his word and not being conformed to the patterns of this world. And around this issue, I can tell you, we're gonna be real tempted to respond to this the way the world responds. And I don't just mean in terms of the substance of it, I mean in the how, right? If you get on Twitter or Facebook right now, there is not a whole lot of being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And it can be real easy to get sucked into that. But here, James is calling us to a different way. A way where we are seeking God in his word to inform how we live and are responding out of that in ways that are different from the world around us and particularly informed by the love of God and the love of neighbor. He goes on from there and he talks about visiting the orphans and widows in their distress. Now in James's day, these two categories, the orphans and the widows represent those that were the most vulnerable. Right? They represent the people who had very little means of caring for themselves. 
orphans because they had no parents to care for them, widows because in the culture there were very few ways for widows to be able to provide for themselves. And so they were in a place of both emotional and physical distress. And the command here is, go be with them. Go be with those who are the most vulnerable. When I read this text, in the context of the Dobbs decision and this issue of abortion, I do think of unborn children. But I also think of mothers who are considering abortion because they see no other way. I think of families who bring a child into this world knowing that they have developmental disabilities and the impact that that will have on them and their family and the ongoing love and support and care and needs that those people have. I think of families who bring a child into this world knowing it will be best to give them up for adoption and just the emotional toll that that takes. I think of families who choose to adopt a process that is both beautiful, hard, and painful at times. And I could go on, the, the point being that what I'm driving at, like surrounding this issue of abortion, there is tremendous opportunity for us to be caring for those that are vulnerable and in distress. And that should be a call that we hear as a church. So I recognize that not everyone in this room is going to agree with me on the substance of abortion. But my hope is that as our congregation discusses this together, and I would encourage you to do so in the context of community groups, if this is something your, your community group needs to discuss together, I would encourage community group leaders to make room for that. Um, in the midst of just the people that you know here in this church, go to Chick-fil-A together and, and have this discussion. But in the midst of that, my hope is that those conversations will be informed by what James says here. That, this, that we would be quick to hear from one another, that we would be slow to speak, that we would be slow to get angry with one another. My hope is that in the midst of those conversations, you would seek out God's word together with the emphasis of pursuing him and pursuing how to be doers of his word. And that you would look for ways that God may be calling for us to care for those that are vulnerable and in distress. That we would seek unity together in the bond of peace for the building up of one another and the glorification of God. Amen? All right, let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, it says your word is a light unto our feet and a guide unto our path. That you are a very present help in trouble. That you are good and your mercies endure forever. That your Holy Spirit is with us. Lord, we believe that you have called us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Lord, I think all of us need your spirit to live into that. So I pray, God, that you would give us hearts that are first and foremost about pursuing your righteousness and not winning arguments, but truly being open to hear from your word what you would have us to say and do. Lord, we need your help in this. All these things I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.